Pastor Chris's podcast. It was really nice to be on vacation last week and spend time with family and just to rest and relax. We went to um, the beach down near St. George Island, which is a wonderful, beautiful place. Uh, so much of Florida has has grown up. You know, it's, it's, it's so lucrative to have condos on the beach, but St. George has done a pretty good job of trying to minimize that as much as possible. And they even have a state park there that's just beautiful, that has, has no condos, so it just looks like natural, um, wonderful, beautiful beach. But um, we also got to walk through a place called Tate's Hell. So uh, this week on vacation, we went to hell and had a great time. <laughs> but I wondered, why, why would they call it <laughs> Tate's Hell? Um, and we looked it up on the internet, and apparently there was a guy about 100 years ago named Seeb Tate. He was a homesteader, and a panther snuck in out of the swamp and killed one of his livestock. And so he got his shotgun, and he said, I'm going to kill the panther. And he went off into the wilderness and got lost and got bit by a rattlesnake wandered around. All he had to drink was the swamp water that was there in, Tate, in, the, in the, the marsh. And a few days later, he eventually stumbled out into a clearing, and some people found him. And just before he died, he said, my name is Seab Tate, and I've been in hell. And, um, and then he died. And so they named that place Tate's Hell. And, uh, but it was a beautiful place. But it was... Um, it was yellow fly season, which is a biting fly that, that lands kind of like a horse fly. And so we, Kelly and I went for a walk, a hike, hiked in about a mile into Tate's Hell, and all the flies were swarming around us so much that we had to keep walking briskly, and we couldn't stop to rest because the flies would land on you and, and bite you. And I thought, that's an apt description of hell. You can imagine that for all eternity, biting flies, mosquitoes, horse flies, all of that landing on you and biting you for all eternity. Oh, it's an awful thought. But it was a beautiful place to see. We saw lots of wonderful things. Um, we got to fish in the bay and in the ocean. Kelly, uh, Abigail, not Abigail, Grace and I. Grace is a wonderful fisherman, much better than I am. And we caught a bunch of whiting, which is, was a... a it's a really great tasting white fleshed fish that's good to eat. And we also caught some red drum or red fish, which I've never had before, but we're going to try that as well. Looked that up and found that that's good fish to eat as well. So we'll see. We also got to do some bird watching, which is something I've really come to enjoy over the last year since we've been through this pandemic. We spent a lot of time on the front porch watching the birds, and I've always loved the birds. Um, but over the last year, I made an effort to learn the different names of the bird and how to identify them. See, that's a cardinal, and that's a blue jay, and that's a, uh, a tufted titmouse, and that one's a, you know, a chickadee. So not only do I love birds now, but I know a lot of the different kinds of birds and the songs that they, they make. But going down to Florida, they have all different kinds of birds than the ones we saw in our front yard. So we saw blue herrings and laughing gulls, which I always just called seagulls. You know, it's the birds that you mostly see on the beach, but they're actually called laughing gulls. And their, their song or, that they sing while they're flying kind of sounds like a bird's laughing. And we went to Wakula Springs and saw some um, uh, anhingas, which is another bird, and 
purple gallinules, which I'd never seen before. It looks kind of like a duck, but it's got like a, a candy corn looking patch on its face. And then while we were walking around in the wildlife preserve, Tate's Hell, Kelly and I saw a pygmy rattlesnake and th- saw that and thought, wow, that's interesting. But glad I saw that before I stepped on it. It was right there on the path. And uh, we saw another snake there. And one day I drove through Tate's Hell because there were so many flies. I said, well, I'll just stay in the car. And there are roads that run all through it. So we drove around. And I saw another rattlesnake that's pictured on the screen. Don't know what the kind of rattlesnake it was. I, I, I was too far away for me to really identify it. Maybe you can identify it. We went to Wakula Springs and we saw American alligators and manatees and what I always just called turtles, but found out were actually called Sawani Cooters, which I thought was a funny name. Um, so there it is, Sawani Cooters. Now I know the name and now you do too. When I first came to Pleasant Grove, um, one, of the, one of the shut-ins that we had was Nina Miller. I'm sure many of you remember Nina. And um, when Nina passed away, she had been, her, her, Nina and J, JL and, and their family had been really close with Renfro Watson, one of the former pastors of our church. So they invited him to come up and speak at the funeral uh, that we did together. And he recalled how Nina was a gardener and enjoyed growing flowers. And of course, Renfro had told her that he loved flowers too. And she said, but do you know the names? And he didn't know the names of all the various flowers. And she said, well, if you really love something, you can't really love it unless you know its name. And so he made a point to learn after that many of the different flowers that he loved so much. And I've kind of felt like that in learning about the different animals and birds that we have been seeing. If you love something, you, if you, you can't fully love something until you know its name. And the Bible tells us a story of how all the animals got their names And it also reveals some important things about God's name. And I want to read that scripture to you today as I begin a new series for this summer about the names of God. So we're going to read from Genesis chapter 2. And I'm actually going to read verses 18 through uh, 25. But um, the, uh, the first few verses aren't on the screen, but they'll be there in a minute. And the Lord God said... It's not good for man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. So the Lord God formed from the soil every kind of animal and bird. He brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one. He gave names to all of the livestock, birds, and wild animals. But there was still no companion suitable to him. So the Lord God caused man to fall asleep. While the man slept, Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from a man. This explains why man leaves his father and mother, is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Back in January, 
Amy preached for Youth Sunday. You remember what she preached about? She preached a, a message about how we need to be careful not to only think about God as our friend. In youth ministry, so many times you're talking to teenagers and you talk with them about Jesus and you want them to have be forming a relationship. And so sometimes the easiest way to uh, facilitate relationship building is to look at God as a friend. But she sang a song and preached a message. And you remember the song she sang? She said um, in, the, in the song called God Forbid, in the chorus it says, God forbid that I find you so familiar that I think of you as less than you are. God forbid that I should speak of you at all without a humble reverence in my heart. So that's a wonderful song. You can, you can go on the website, go to our worship music section, and you can actually listen to a recording of her singing that. Maybe we'll play it or we'll have Amy sing it again at some point during this summer. But it was a really powerful song and important message for me. And when she preached it, I knew right then... I felt it was almost as if the Lord was speaking to me and saying, you need to preach a message series about all the names of God. Because we need to expand our understanding of who God is. Yes, God is our friend, but he's so much more than just a friend. And we ought not ever forget it. In this passage, we see that Amy, not Amy, that Adam, the first man, gives names to all the animals. And then when God makes a woman from Adam's rib, Adam names her woman. By the way, we, we've lost this understanding because we've heard of Adam and Eve before. And we think of Adam as a name and Eve as a name. But the word Adam literally means, or it used to mean, human being. So it wasn't so much that Adam was a name like Chris, it was, this is man. And Eve means life or life giver. And because she was woman and she gives birth, she brings life. And so this is man and this is life giver. And that's what they thought when they said those names. Of course, those have come to be proper names for us today. We also see another name in the passage, God. In verse 21, the word we translate into English as God is the Hebrew word Elohim. Say that with me. It's on the screen. Elohim. You just said a Hebrew word, the Hebrew word that means God. Elohim is a plural noun. The singular is just El, E-L. So in the Bible, here's a little hint. You go through the Bible, most of the time when you read a name and it has the word L embedded in it, it is, means that God is in that name. So for instance, Bethel. You've heard of Bethel, the city of Bethel. It's Beth-El, and it means house of God. And Daniel, Danny-El, means God is my judge. So anytime in the Bible, most of the time when you see the word L attached to a name, that's, it means that there's somehow that name has got God in it. But Elohim is the plural of L. And Elohim is not a proper name like Kelly or Chris or Deborah. El, Elohim is a descriptive word. Just as 
Adam and Eve originally just meant man and woman. Elohim originally was a descriptive name saying that this is God. Similar to descriptive words like man or woman or alligator or fish. So in, Gen- in the Genesis passage, we see that all these descriptive names are being tossed around. And Adam, the man, is deciding what to call everything. So it's kind of like he's standing there and he's saying, this is a sunflower and this is a red-tailed hawk and this is a manatee and this is man and this is woman and this is God who made them all. And there's an interesting thing about the descriptive name for God, Elohim. And it gets lost in translation from ancient Hebrew to modern English. Elohim, as I told you, is plural. It's more than one. So technically, it should be translated as gods with an S, plural, not God, singular. This is gods. But whenever um, the Bible is always trying to remind everyone that there is only one God. And yet, whenever the Bible uses the term for God, it uses the plural. It says this is Elohim, but it uses it in the singular sense. So it's the plural, more than one word, but used in a singular way, which is an interesting thing. And this is a great mystery about God that boggles the simple human mind. God is one, singular. The Bible's very clear. There's only one, but he's also many, plural. How can God be one and also many? The early church wrestled with the singular slash plural nature of God and formulated the doctrine of the Trinity to describe God. There is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, the Holy Three. And it's a mind-boggling doctrine that confuses everyone. We say in the Apostles' Creed, we believe in all of those God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but whenever we try to explain it, most of us are completely lost in what to say and how to explain it. Because people will say, so you, you Christians, you believe in three gods. You've got the Father, you've got the Son, you've got the Holy Spirit. And we say, no, no, we are monotheistic. We don't believe in three gods. There's only one God, but he's three in one. <laughs> and, and, and then we're confused ourselves, and we're trying to explain it to someone else. And nobody really fully understands it. And likewise, we are totally confused when we talk about the Son, Jesus. We say that he is is both God and man. And so some people will ask, so he's half God and half man? We say, no, he's not half God, half man. He's all God and all man. Say, what? He's 100% God and 100% man. And then the math teachers are like, yeah, but that's 200%. There's nothing that exists that's 200% except God. (laughs) So we don't know how to explain it, to describe it. It's totally confusing, but it's the best that we can do to use limited human logic and human language to describe the unlimited, infinite nature of God. After sin corrupted the world, 
the ancients turned away from worshiping the one true God, and they began inventing all kinds of gods to worship, all kinds of different gods. They named their imaginary gods kind of like we name children and pets. Have you ever thought about what a, what a powerful thing it is to name your child? Think about that. I mean, you, 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 you give birth to this child, and then you give them a name, and that name is then with them for the rest of their life. That is who they are. You have had the power to give them that name, and you call them Abigail or Gavin or Chris or uh, Henry, whatever you decided. And they had no choice in that matter. Um, and they really, I mean, you can go to the courthouse, I guess. If you don't like your name, you could go to the courthouse and you could legally change your name. But that's really who you are, regardless of what it says on paper. Um, my sister, Katie, was always Katie, my younger sister. And then when she grew up, Katie was too childish of a name, so she started having everyone call her Catherine. And, of course, you know, I came home, and, and, and I'm seeing all this stuff about Catherine. I was like, who is Catherine? And, um, oh, that's Katie. Well, she's my little sister, and I'm always going to call her Katie. I don't care if she goes by Catherine in her professional field. To me, as my little sister, she's Catherine. I mean, she's Katie. And, um, you know, parents have the right to choose their child's name, but the child doesn't get to name the parent, right? Kathy doesn't get to come out and say, well, you called me Kathy, but I'm not going to call you Catherine anymore. I don't like that name. I'm going to call you Deborah from now on. They don't have the parent, you know, children don't have the right to do that. Um, they will call, they will call, they will change their name to mama <laughs> or daddy, but that's a descriptive name, right? It's not, a, it's not a, a proper name, sort of like we call God, God. It's not his proper name, it's a descriptive name. It's who he is to us, relationship, but not his proper name. Children don't have a right to change their parents' name. Another way that we have the right to choose a name, and this is more fun to me, when we have a pet, because with pets, you can call them anything. You're not limited to the normal things like Katie and Chris and, 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 and Joanne. You, you can call them anything. You can call them Fluffy. You can call them Dumb Dog. You can call them whatever you want. A Bowser. We have four cats at our house. We have uh, Lily, and we have Dolly, and we have Phoebe. And then we had a fourth one come along, and by then we were just tired of naming them. And um, we also thought we were going to give this cat away. We weren't going to keep it. So we just called it Small Cat because it was a little small cat compared to all the other ones. But then we ended up keeping it, and we just kept the name, Small Cat. But when we say it, when we say it though, it just sort of kind of blends together now. We call it Small Cat. And, and if you're not paying attention, you would think you would spell it S-M-A-C-A, -A, Small Cat. Because you don't pronounce the whole thing out. You don't say small cat. It's just small cat. And um, you get to do that with your pets. They don't get to name you. You name them. But then it comes to God. And God is God. He's so grand and majestic and so much higher than we are. And he is who he is. 
People don't get to name God or change his name. We don't get to decide who he is or what he's like. But the ancients, as they sinned and they didn't like who God was or they forgot who he was, they started making up gods with attributes that they liked or that they wanted God to have. And they would name their gods sort of like parents name their children or people name their pets. Isn't that crazy to think of people doing that to God? And that's why the, the Bible adds the proper name of God in the passage. Paired with the common descriptive name Elohim is the proper name Lord. So we have the Lord God said to Adam. In Hebrew, Lord is Yahweh. It's one of the ways that you could translate the Hebrew word Yahweh. It sort of carries the idea that he is Lord, that he is sovereign, that he is grand, that he is big. And so whenever in the scripture, when you're reading along, you may notice that you will see Lord many times. And sometimes when you see it, it is in all caps, capital letters. Whenever you see it listed in capital letters, that's a way that the translators are showing you that this is God's proper name. It's not just a title, it is his proper name. And it's a translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh, which is his actual proper name. So we learn in the passage that the one true God who created man and alligators and, and woman and Blue herons and redfish and even rattlesnakes is called the Lord God. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is who he is. He doesn't change. We cannot control him. We don't name him. He names us. And rather than try to imagine God to be the way we wish him to be, we should turn to the Holy Bible and see the names of God that the Lord God himself has revealed to us so that we can better know his character. For we are to love the Lord our God, and you can't fully love something unless you know its name and what it really is. Now, some people, we see this in the world around us and society around us, there are some people that just decide, well, I don't like the God of the Bible. I don't like when it tells some of the stories about God that it tells about him. I don't like that he says, you can do this, but you shouldn't do that. If that's who God is, then I don't believe in that God. I don't like that God. I want to worship that God. There's a lot of people that say that. Maybe some of us even say that. Say, I don't like that about God. I'd rather change that about God. But we don't have the power or the right to change God. And so some people who, who, who realize that or who just say, well, then I don't believe in him. And that's a choice that some people make. Does that change the fact that he is God? No, it doesn't. He's sovereign. He is who he is. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean you can disregard it. You, can, you call people that do that deluded. They're deluded. They're living in a... In a fantasy world where they say, well, I don't like that, I don't agree with that, and so I just disregard that. Well, if God doesn't exist, then maybe they're right. But if God does exist and they refuse to accept it, then they're just living in a fantasy, right? 
And so this is where we find ourselves in the world. Either he is who he is, or he is not. But thankfully, the Lord God has always wanted his creatures to know him and to know his name. And so he has used all his resources to reveal himself to us. We read in Romans 1.20, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. And God has even spoken to people in the Bible and revealed some of his many names. And we will be looking at some of these over the course of this series this summer. Names like El Shaddai, Jehovah Jireh, Alpha, and Omega, among others. There are so many names that you could give to God that, that would take forever to look at them all. And I invite you to, to do some studying on your own. But I will pick uh, nine or ten names to look at together this summer. But as we conclude today... And as we celebrate the Holy Sacrament of Holy Communion, I want to share one more of God's names with you. It is the best name of all by which we can know God. It is the name Jesus. And it literally means the Lord saves. You see, through, you see though all people sin and all fall short of God's glorious standard, which leaves us all in jeopardy of punishment in hell. God doesn't want us to suffer in hell for eternity. And therefore, the Lord God came as the Son, Jesus, to save us. On the cross, Jesus died for our sins so that we can be saved if we repent of our sin and put our faith in Jesus. And so... I offer you that option today. Will you choose to take it? And today we celebrate the sacred ceremony of Holy Communion, which recalls the sacrifice Jesus made and helps us to know he is risen from the grave. And he is here with us right now. And he offers new life and eternal life with God forever. Going all the way back to the story in Genesis where we see the man and the woman and the God living in perfect paradise and harmony. This is a picture of the beginning. It's also a picture of the eternal future that we look forward to as we can be in the presence of God, naked and unashamed, not vulnerable, perfectly safe, knowing we are perfectly loved and loving one another and God perfectly as well. But it begins through what Christ did for us on the cross. And it begins when we repent and accept him as Lord. Will you repent of your sins and accept the free gift of grace that God offers to you today through Jesus Christ? If you sincerely wish to do so, then you are invited to come 
to the Lord's table and receive holy communion. As Tom comes, I offer that invitation to everyone and I remind you that in the sacrament of holy communion, this is not our sacrament. This is not our table. It is the Lord's table. And so everyone is invited to come. If you sincerely wish to receive the grace that God offers to you today through Jesus Christ, then you're invited and you are welcome to come. Doesn't matter if you're a member of this church. Doesn't matter if it's the very first time you ever came to the church. How old or how young you are, you are welcome. For on the night that he was arrested, before he was arrested, he shared one last meal with his disciples. And during that meal, he took two ordinary things, but he did extraordinary things with them. He used them to show his disciples and us exactly how much God loves us and what he was willing to do to bring us back. And so during the meal, he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. He said, take and eat this bread for it is my body that is given for you. And likewise, after the meal, he took the cup and he raised it to heaven and he asked the Lord to bless it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, take, drink from this, all of you, for this wine is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And as often as you drink it, do so in remembrance of me. Would you pray with me? Lord God Almighty, We thank you for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. We are humbled to think that your love was so strong that you would go through such pain and agony for our sake, not because we deserved it, but because we needed it. Lord, we thank you. And we gather around the table today, putting our faith in your son, Jesus. We repent of our sins And we turn to follow the Lord and to live as he calls us to live to the best of our ability with the help of your Holy Spirit. And so, O God, we ask that you pour out your spirit on this bread and this wine and on us that are gathered here, that the bread and wine may be the body of Christ and the blood of Christ, and that we might be the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.